We've been in this new series we just started a couple weeks ago called Transforming Prayer, and uh, really kind of digging deeper into our prayer pillar here at Harvest, and uh, hopefully growing in both our understanding of prayer and in our practice of prayer. Um, We're in the middle of a 40-day prayer challenge uh, where we're really asking the God to show us uh, some great and hidden things um, about whatever's going on in our lives, whatever's on your heart. Um, He has the answers for that. And so we're asking him to reveal those to us here and, and trusting that he's going to be faithful to do that uh, as we pray each day and, and seek him. But today, um, I want to talk about, I want to do something a little bit different. Um, normally, if you've been, if you come to Harvest a lot, you know this already, normally our MO is pick a passage of scripture and work through it verse by verse. What does it mean? What do we do with that, right? Um, but today, I want to hit a topic of prayer that isn't exactly in just one spot. So we're going to be jumping around quite a bit in the scriptures today. And so I'm going to have most of it on the screen for you. So if you can't flip that fast in the Bible, that's okay. It'll be on the screen. If you want to try to follow along in your Bible, that's great as well. Because um, I want to answer this question today, why we don't pray. Um, or maybe why we don't pray more than we currently pray. And I think there's some things that can kind of get in our hearts and get in our lives sometimes that can be a hindrance to prayer. And I want to dig in on that a little bit this morning and hopefully maybe uncover some things that we can take to the Lord uh, today together. So, um, Courtney and I, we have, a lot of you know, we have three girls in our family. And when they were young, we started putting them in swim lessons. Uh, because Courtney and I, we both learned to swim when we were younger. And, you know, we think it's an important skill for survival and just for fun and all that kind of stuff. But, but for in, my, in my mind, tell me, you can tell me if I'm wrong later, but in my mind, the, the purpose of swim lessons is to learn how to swim, right? Um, we, we're going to these swim lessons, and like all the parents are there on the side, and they're like, oh, look at them. They're so cute in their swimsuits, and they're splashing around. I'm like, this isn't a pool party. Like, we're here to learn how to swim, right? And the instructors are, tr- are like, well, if you don't want to do this part, that's okay. You can just sit on the side and kick your feet in the water. And I'm like, no. Like, throw them in the deep end if you have to, but like, teach them how to swim already. Like, this is, this is the point of why we're here. And, um, and so, you know, for me, we're going, and the goal is we're not getting there, but I, I want to see progress. I want to see, it doesn't have to be perfect the first time. It doesn't, like, I understand it could take some time to learn to swim, but I want to see some results coming from this investment that we're making, right, of time and money and, and all this stuff. So after about the fourth or fifth round of swim lessons, and our girls still would not even put their face in the water, I'm like, I'm out. I'm out, we're done with the swim lessons, like y'all are just going to have to drown one day. I don't know what to tell you, like this isn't going, it's not, it's not working, we're not going to keep doing this if it's not working. Sometimes, if we're being honest, can we be honest in church today? Sometimes if we're honest, I think that's the way we feel about prayer. Why do I keep doing this if it's not working? If I'm not seeing the answers, if I'm not seeing the results that I want or that I think that I want or that, that I think there should be there, like, sometimes we, we just stop praying. And I think there's going to be some things in our lives that lead to that, and I want to see what those are today from the Word. And so here's the big question I want you to grapple with this morning. What is hindering me from praying? What is hindering me from praying? I'm going to give you three big categories today that I think answer this question. The first one is this. Number one, I don't see God's plan. Sometimes I don't pray because 
I don't see or I can't see God's plan. Let me give you a verse for this. Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, if you've been around church much, that's like a super well-known verse. Right? You see it on the wall art and the coffee mugs and the t-shirts and all the stuff. And we especially love the part about, you know, the good future and the hope, right? Like, we're like, yeah, give me some of that. But it's important for us to understand the context of this verse. This verse comes in the middle of a letter that Jeremiah is writing to the brand new exiles in Babylon, right? They've been, they've been captured. They've been sent away. They're living in Babylon, away from their homeland, away from Jerusalem, and, and, uh, and Jeremiah, God tells Jeremiah to write this letter to the Judean exiles, and the letter starts like this. He's like, hey, y'all, um, you're going to be here for a while, okay, like, like 70 years. So go ahead and build some houses, have some kids, settle in, because like this is the new reality for you right now, in captivity, away from your homeland for 70 years. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in their shoes, that would not sound like a good and hopeful future, right? Like, like they're not getting warm and fuzzies from that part of the letter, and God knows that, and so he responds then to their despair with this promise in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, keep praying to me because something better is coming. I've got a plan for you. He says, I know the plans I have for you. And notice, they're his plans. Right? They're not our plans, they're his plans. And guess what? Only he knows his plans. Which is sometimes the problem, right, for us. Right? Because we're like, no, we want to know the plans. He's like, no, they're my plans. You don't get to know the plans. He says, I know the plans I have for you that we can't see. We can't see his plans from our present reality. But he says, call upon me. Pray to me, and I will hear you. Like, just trust that I have a plan, and keep praying. He says, when you pray, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That phrase right there is so key. Catch that again. Look at it. You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Notice he doesn't say, you'll find my plans. He doesn't say, when you pray, when you seek me, I'll show you the plans. He says, when you seek me, you'll find me. Because God's ultimate plan for our lives is always more of him. That's actually the plan. We think it's about circumstances. We think it's about all these other things that are going on around us. And God's like, no, my ultimate plan for you is just that you get more of me. So he says, pray and seek me and you will find me. So oftentimes we think God's not answering our prayers if he's not fixing our circumstances. But sometimes that is the answer to the prayer, is I'm going to leave you right where you are so that you'll continue to press in, so you'll continue to depend on me, so you'll continue to pray, so that this relationship that we have can continue to grow. Another verse that goes along with this in the New Testament is Romans 8.28. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Again, a very, another very well-known verse. Some would say maybe even an overused verse 
at times. And again, we like this verse because the emphasis is like, hey, I've got good things coming for you in your life, right? That's going to be good. But once again, the context is important. If we back up a couple verses, we go to verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. <laughs> so I, I love Paul's just bluntness, right? He's like, hey, we don't know what to pray for. Did you catch that? He's like, hey, we, we're so lost in our sin. We are so just like broken people. Sometimes we don't even know what to pray for. Anybody ever felt that before? Right? You're like, God, I know I need you right now. I know I need some help right here, but I don't even know what to ask for because it's just, it's too much. Right? Paul says, I, sometimes we don't even know what to ask for. And I think that we are actually in that boat a lot more often than we realize. Because what I've noticed in my life is a lot of times when I'm praying, I'm praying for my plans, not always praying for God's plans. And so I'm not praying for what I really should be praying for because I don't even know what to pray for. He goes on, he says, you don't know what to pray for, but thankfully the Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. In other words, he prays for us what we should have prayed for ourselves, but didn't. He's like, hey, Okay, I know you asked for this, but that's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit that a little bit and like, I'm going to kind of move it over here in line with God's will for you, God's plan for your life, and that's what, that's what we're going to do. That's the prayer that's going up, okay? It reminded me, I was thinking about, you know, when I, if you have heard my testimony, many of you have, um, you know, I, was, I was kind of grew up in church, I was saved at a young age, but there was a season in my life in high school and especially in college where I was not walking with the Lord, right? I was far from God, I was doing my own thing, I was, was, was not living that life. And when it came time to go to college, I decided that I wanted to go to Truman State because that's where one of my friends was going, and like we had a plan that we were going to go and we were going to have the, the, the full college experience, if you know what I'm saying, right? And so like we were, we had this thing, and I told my parents, hey, I want to go to Truman State, and they were like, uh, yeah, no, that's a hard pass. They said, if, if we're going to pay for any of it, you're going to go to a Christian university, right? Which I didn't love at the moment, I'll just be honest. But they knew what would happen if I went to par- par- I mean, study at a secular university. They knew where that was going, and they knew that, that wasn't God's plan for my life. And so they asked for what I didn't know to ask for. They asked for what I needed, even though I didn't ask for it which was to go to a college that would connect me back to Christ and lead me to Jesus, not away from Jesus. and would ultimately get me to where we are today. You see, the Spirit does the same thing for us when we pray, when we ask God for things. He, he kind of edits our prayers and he adjusts them and he tweaks them to get them in line with God's plan for our life. I remember praying for auditions when I was younger. I would get into this group or that group, and God said, no, that's not it. I remember praying for certain career paths and certain, nope, that wasn't it. 
I remember praying for certain romantic relationships. And praise the Lord, he said no. Right? Like, y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You dodge some of those bullets, right? Like, sometimes God says no because the Spirit is busy praying better prayers for our life than what we know to pray. And he's lining us up with God's plan. What an awesome and gracious God that we have. that he helps us even when we don't know what to pray. Even when we can't see the plan, even when we don't know where it's headed, he's there and he's caring for us and he's leading us through. There's all kinds of biblical examples of this too. I'm going to give you just a couple just kind of help illustrate this. I think about David. You know, if you know David's story, he was anointed to be the next king of Israel at a very young age. He was a young shepherd boy, anointed to be the next king of Israel. He ends up going and being a part of Saul, the king, his court, right? He's, he's part of the court. He becomes a great warrior, becomes like a second son to Saul. Like, everything seems to be tracking. Like, yeah, this is the path to get to the king. And all of a sudden, Saul goes crazy, right? And he gets jealous and, and paranoid and tries to kill David. And, and David goes on the run, but, but he refuses to fight back and to kill Saul because it's God's anointed. So he's not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait for the Lord. I'm going to wait on his plan, on his timing. Well, if you keep reading, finally Saul dies in battle, and then David goes and he gets appointed as king, but just of Judah, just of one tribe, not all of Israel, just one of the twelve. He becomes king of Judah 15 years after he was anointed as king by Samuel. 15 years he had to wait on the Lord's plan. And then it would be another seven years before he was appointed as king over all of Israel. So 22 years, David is waiting on God's plan to come to fruition. And during that waiting, David kept praying. We have them recorded all throughout the Bible. In fact, many of the Psalms that we still read today, many of the things that we still use in our Bible today, David wrote when he was waiting on God's plan to finally come to fruition. Another example is Zechariah and Elizabeth, New Testament, Luke chapter 1. And then we've got this couple here, this priestly couple, and it says that they were barren and they were advanced in years. That's a nice way to say that, isn't it? Which meant that they had been praying for a child for decades. Right? Like in this culture, like everyone wanted children. It was it was a sign of honor and it was a sign of of, of God's grace on your life. And, and so like they've been praying for decades. To have a child. Never understanding why God would withhold a child from such a godly and faithful couple. And then in Luke chapter 1, the angel shows up to Zechariah and he tells Zechariah, hey, your prayers have been heard and you will have a son. Because you've been praying, your prayers have been heard, you will have a son. And then in verse 16, he tells him why. He says, he will turn many children of Israel to God and he will go before him Jesus as the forerunner. See, the reason that they had to wait on God's plan is because God had a very special plan for their special son that he was going to be the forerunner of Jesus and they had to wait for just the right time. But they didn't know that. They just knew they didn't have a a son and they kept praying and praying while they waited on God's plan to finally come. I think about Paul. 
2 Corinthians chapter 12, where he says that he has a thorn in the flesh. He talks about this thorn, and we don't know what it is, right? It could be struggle, it could be a sin, it could be some, some physical illness or trial. Like, we don't know what it is, but he, but he can't shake it. He can't get rid of it. He can't get away from it. And, he, and it says he prayed, he said he prayed three times for God to remove it. But God said no. He said, nope, I'm not going to do that. Instead, God gave him more grace to endure through it. And then Paul wrote this, he said, it was God's plan to leave it because, uh, to leave Paul in this state of weakness so that, here's what he said, so that the power of Christ could rest upon him. See, God's plan wasn't to remove Paul from the situation or to remove the circumstances. God's plan for Paul's life was to leave him right there so he could experience even more of the power of Christ in his life. Ultimately, we can even go to Jesus. Think about, like for us, when we look back on Jesus, it all makes sense to us because we have the whole story. But think about when Jesus was going to the cross, when he was arrested, when he was on trial, all that's going on. No one possibly could see how this was going to fit into God's plan. Right? The Jewish leaders didn't get it, obviously. The Romans didn't get it. Even his own disciples didn't get it. They were like, oh, he's leaving us. It's all over. Might as well go back to fishing. Like, they didn't get it. They couldn't see the plan. No one understood. No matter how hard they prayed, it just, he just kept marching to the cross. This guy who's supposed to be the Messiah. They thought God was failing. But he wasn't failing. This had to happen. This is the whole heart of the gospel. That because all of us are broken sinners and we are in rebellion against God and we're separated from him because of our sin, some, we have a problem that we can't fix, only God can fix it. And so God said, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to come in the flesh, I'm going to walk among you sinless, and I'm going to go to the cross and die in your place. I'm going to pay for your sin. And Jesus died and he went into the grave and three days later he came back to life. Proving that he was God. And proving that he did have the perfect redemption plan. We just have to trust him. Turn from our sin, put our faith in Jesus, and you will be saved. This is God's perfect plan to save and to change us and to redeem us. He was always in control. He's always in control. And we just have to believe it. Even when it doesn't seem like it, we can trust his plan and keep praying. So ask yourself this question, how is my lack of understanding hindering my prayer life? How is my lack of understanding, how is my inability to see his plan keeping me from praying? Have you stopped praying because you can't see how it's going to work out? You can't see how it's going to come together? And so you've just given up? Or maybe, maybe you're even mad at God because you keep praying, but he keeps answering prayers that you're not praying. Anybody else have that experience before? Like I'm praying for X and God keeps giving me Y, like something's not working. No, it is working. The Holy Spirit is working and praying what you need rather than what you want. 
God says, trust my plan and just keep praying. Sometimes I don't pray because I don't see the plan. There's a second reason we don't pray. Number two, sometimes I don't pray because I don't see God's enemy. You see, Satan is God's enemy, and he's a real enemy, and because he's God's enemy, he is also our enemy. I'll give you a verse, 1 Peter 5.8. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He is our adversary. He is seeking to devour us every moment of every day. I know we don't like to talk about this sometimes because it kind of feels weird and, and extra supernatural or just uncomfortable, but, but there's a reality that's happening here that if we're not aware of it, it hurts our prayer life. You know, when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he had this line, he said, pray like this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some translations say, deliver us from the evil one. Satan taught, I'm sorry, Satan, Jesus taught his disciples to pray for deliverance from Satan and his works in our lives. Because he understood he's a real enemy. He's a real threat. Not only to our walk with Christ, but also to our prayers. There's this really interesting example in the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel's been praying and asking God some questions. He's needing some insight. And finally, this angel shows up to give Daniel the answers. But before he gives him the answers, he says, hey, just so you know, you've been praying and you've been asking, and God heard you from the very beginning, and he sent me to answer it. But on the way, I got stopped. I was on the way to give you the answers, and I got in this battle with Satan, and I got held up for 21 days before I could get here and give you the answers. Now, some of us, we don't have a category for that. <laughs> We're like, I don't, I, I, I don't, but it's in there. And I don't fully understand, but I know this, according to God's word, that there are some times where God is sending us an answer to prayer, but it's coming through a channel, and it's coming through a source, and it's coming through an avenue that somehow can be hindered by Satan and by his works. And it delays that answer to our prayer, which is exactly what he wants to do. Because Satan's, one of Satan's main goals is to get you to doubt God. And if the answers are delayed and they're not coming, and you start doubting God, guess what? Then you stop praying to God which is exactly what he wants you to do. I was reading a book on prayer, probably the best one I've ever read, and the, the pastor, the author, he said this, he said, prayer concerns three people. Usually we think that it concerns two people, God and us. He said, no, it concerns three people, God, us, and Satan. And then he points to this parable that Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 18. Take a look at this in verse 1. It says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So notice in this parable, there's three characters, right? You have the judge who, are, who 
somehow oddly represents God, and then you have the widow who represents us, and then you have the adversary. And the widow is asking, says, give me, give me justice against my adversary. You know who's called the adversary all throughout Scripture? Satan. And she's saying, help me out here. And God's response, he says, like, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect? He's making another one of those lesser to greater arguments, right? Where he's like, if the unrighteous judge will give justice, like, how much more? Will the righteous, holy God and judge of all the universe give justice to his loved ones, to those in his family, to those who he calls his children? He says, how much will he give justice to the, those who cry to him day and night, who pray to him, who ask God for deliverance? He will deliver them. He will give them justice. He will, give them, he will restore them. And he says, when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus returns, one day he will bring ultimate justice. You may not see it right now. You may not see it in this month or this year or this lifetime. But justice is coming. And he says, the whole point of the parable at the very beginning, remember what he said? He said, until then, always pray and don't lose heart. That's his answer. His answer to this battle, the spiritual battle that we're in, is to always pray and don't lose heart. Keep praying for deliverance from the enemy. You know, this past week, uh, we were painfully and vividly reminded of the work of the enemy right here in our own city. As more lives were lost to sinful violence at a local high school. And I, I hope that you've been in prayer this week over that, just as the people of God, just living in the city, that you've been praying over this school, these families, and, and all those connected to this, that God would give them grace, that God would give them help and strength in the midst of this. It's, this type of physical and emotional and spiritual trauma and tragedy, like it, it needs more healing than our world has to offer. And so we need to be praying that God would intercede and work in that situation. But, but, but moments of crisis like this, they, they painfully remind us that Satan is real and that he is at work for evil in our world. But Scripture tells us that it's not just in these kind of big moments, but all the time, every day, the enemy is at work. Like, when we have these big crisis moments, these shocking moments, it, it kind of jars us back to the reality. But the truth is, it's every day. Maybe in smaller ways, maybe more behind the scenes, maybe more just in our hearts and in our minds. But every day, the adversary is seeking to devour us. And God's answer, God's defense for us is prayer. Praying for deliverance from the evil one, even when we can't see him. Even when we don't think about it. Even when it's not right in our face like it was this week, we have to keep praying. So ask yourself, how is a lack of vigilance against the adversary hindering my prayer life? How is a lack of vigilance against the adversary hindering my prayer life? In other words, if we don't really see him as a threat... 
then we don't really see the need to pray. We think, oh, I got this. Everything's going along smooth. There's, there's no bumps in the road right now, so I'm okay. And we let our guard down. But Jesus says, no, 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 pray for deliverance. Because he knows the threat is real. He knows that we need the help, even when we can't see it. So sometimes I don't pray because I don't see the plan. Sometimes I don't pray because I don't see God's enemy. Sometimes, number three, I don't pray because I don't see God answer. This might be the most common one. I thought about Psalm 22, verse 2, where he, he cries out. He says, oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Do you ever feel like that in your prayer life? Like, God, I'm here, I'm praying, I'm asking, I'm on my knees, and there's no answer coming. I'm getting nothing back. And sometimes we just feel that way, and it's not true. Sometimes, though, it is true. Sometimes God's not answering because something is in the way. And the Bible kind of talks about three different reasons that God doesn't answer when we pray. Let's look at these three. Number one, look at Isaiah 59, 1 through 10. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. The first reason God doesn't answer is because of sin. It says right here, it's not because his hand is shortened. It's not because he doesn't have the ability to answer. It's not because he doesn't have the power. He does. He's he's the almighty God. But he doesn't because your iniquities, your sin has made a separation between you and God. That there's, there's a chasm there. That your sin has hidden his face and so he does not hear you. You see, God is holy. He is perfectly holy and he can have no part of sin. And so when we are praying to him from a heart that is full of unrepentant sin... He cannot and he will not hear that. Which leaves us with a problem. <laughs> because if you've been around Harvest long enough, you know we tell, we tell you this often. We're all sinners. And so if we're all sinners, how on earth can we pray to God? How can he hear us? The answer is 1 John 1, 8-9. through 9. It says, if, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Like, he's like, no. You're a sinner. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we'll confess and repent, he will cleanse us. He will take away our sin. He will remove the separation that is between us and restore the relationship, so that he can hear and answer our prayers again. And so the first thing you need to think about is, if God's not answering, maybe it's because you are not repenting. Maybe there's something you need to to get right with the Lord to open up that channel of communication again. That's the first reason. Number two comes from James chapter 4. Verses 1 through 3, it says, what, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? 
You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, and so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Second reason God does not answer our prayers is because of selfish desires. Selfish desires are what this translation calls passions. He says your passions are at war within you. Your flesh, your, your sinful desires are, are taking over your heart and your mind, and so you're asking for the wrong things. He says you ask, you pray, and you do not receive. God doesn't answer because you ask wrongly to spend it on yourself. You're asking only for your own selfish desires. In essence, you're not praying for the things of God, you're praying for the things of you. You're really praying for God to help you sin more. Hey God, will you give me this, will you give me that so I can spend it on myself and do my thing over here without you? God's never going to answer that prayer. He's not. Thankfully, later on, James helps us out here in verse 7. He says, instead, submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He says, hey, instead of praying for your own stuff, how about you submit yourself to God? How about you get on the same page with him and let the Holy Spirit be the one who's telling you what to pray? Submit your heart, submit your life to the Lord, and let his desires become your desires. Stop living as a double-minded person. Where I want my stuff over here, and I want God's stuff over here, and I keep flip-flopping back and forth between the two. James says God won't answer that. But when you submit your heart to God and his desires become your desires, then you start asking for the answers that he already wants to give you. Because you're praying along with him in his will. So again, if, if God's not answering, if you're praying and God's not answering, maybe it's because you are not asking rightly. You're asking from a heart of selfish desires. So it could be sin, could be selfish desires, and there's a third option that can block it. Look at Mark eleven twenty-five. Jesus is talking here to his disciples. He says, whenever you stand praying... Forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Number three, the third reason God does not answer prayer is unforgiveness. Jesus makes a really strong statement here. He says, whenever, whenever, every time, all the time, whenever you pray, forgive. Anything against anyone, right? No exceptions, no excuses, no exclusions. Forgive them. And then he tells us why. He says, so that, cause and effect, so that your Father may forgive you. How can I expect God to grant me forgiveness when I'm unwilling to give it to someone else? Jesus says it again in Matthew chapter 6, a different way slightly. 
Verse 14, he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, I've been in church a long time. I've I've been following Jesus a long time. That's that's a hard statement to swallow. Right? I mean, it's in the Bible, so we know it's true, but, like, that's a hard one to wrestle with. But Jesus' point here really is this. If you have a heart that refuses to forgive, it shows that you have not truly experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Because once you have that, once you know what it means and what it's like to have your sins fully pardoned and forgiven by a holy God, Forgiveness for others just starts to kind of naturally flow. I'm not saying you don't have to consciously make an effort, but you have it in there. It's ready to come out as soon as you choose to, for, choose to give it. But here's the real key when it relates to prayer. Here's what we know about from the Bible. No forgiveness of sin means no connection to Christ. If if I'm not forgiven, then sin's blocking this. I have no connection to Jesus. If there's no connection to Jesus, there's no answers to prayer. It's not coming. And so again, if God's not answering your prayers, maybe it's because you are not forgiving others as you should. Sometimes God doesn't answer because of sin. Sometimes because of selfish desires, and sometimes because of unforgiveness. So ask yourself again, what, I'm sorry, how is a lack of connection to God hindering my prayer life? How is a lack of connection to God, and more importantly, what is blocking that connection? What is blocking that communication so that he can't respond when I pray? We started it here. What is hindering me from praying? Most of the time, it's because we're not getting the results that we want. Most of the time, we're just being honest, in our flesh, we stop praying because we don't see the answers that we want. But it actually leads us to a deeper question. Maybe this is the more important question for you this morning. What is hindering me from receiving God's answers? Maybe I'm still praying, or maybe I'm not, but maybe there's something that's blocking God's answers to my prayers. Maybe it's timing. Maybe it's just because you don't know the plan yet, and the answer's coming, you just can't see it, and so you've got to just keep praying and waiting for the plan to show up. Maybe it's because of Satan. Maybe because, maybe because you don't really understand that there's an enemy working against you, and so therefore you're, you're not being vigilant, and you need to pray for deliverance. Maybe it's because of sin, and you need to confess and repent to the Lord. As, even as Christians, even those who are saved by Jesus, we need to keep short sin accounts. As soon as I sin, I'm repenting, I'm confessing, I'm going to Jesus, hey, forgive me for this, please wash me clean again. And it's a continual process. Maybe it's because of selfish desires. Maybe you need to submit your heart to God again. Maybe you need to, to, to realign yourself with his will and his plan and his Holy Spirit so that he can answer according to his will. 
Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe you need to just forgive and be forgiven. He stands ready to forgive. He stands ready to restore you right here, right now. What is your hindrance today? What is it that's blocking your prayer life? What's blocking God from answering? I want us to take a moment here, and we're just going to, I'm going to pray, and I want you to just pray silently to the Lord, and just, just examine your own heart. Is there anything? Is there any hindrance right now in my life, in my heart, that's blocking my communication with God? And let's ask him to reveal that to us, and then to help us remove it. Go ahead and stand. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God. We praise you once again, Lord, that you, that you call us to yourself. God, that you don't leave us in our sin. You don't leave us stuck in our brokenness and in our, in our mess, God, that you came to earth. You pursued us, Lord, that you came to save us and to, to, to give us a way out. But God, we have to take it. So God, would you've given us such a wonderful gift in the practice of prayer, a chance to connect with the almighty God of the universe. But, but first, we have to get our hearts right with you, Lord. And so we confess today, Lord, that we oftentimes neglect this great gift. Lord, we fail to seek you in prayer because of our own hangups, because of our own sinful hearts, because of our own issues. So God, we're just asking you today, Lord, would you help us? Would you help us to remove any hindrances to prayer in our lives? Lord, reveal them to us. Open our eyes. Help us to see. And then help us to turn from them. Help us to trust you. Lord, today we recognize more than anything else, we need you. We need you, God. We need your plan. We need your power. We need your grace. Lord, call our hearts back to you in prayer. In Christ's name we pray.